Hello there, everyone, and welcome back to Running the 615. This is your host, Drew Jones, and you are listening to Episode 3. First off, let me start by saying thank you. I have heard from many of you listeners over the past month telling me that you are enjoying this podcast so far, and that is, of course, great to hear. As I've stated before, my only ask from you is that you please promote this podcast on your social media or type up a review for Running the 615 on whichever host site you are listening to this podcast on. Again, thank you so much for all of your positive feedback and encouragement so far. It truly does mean a lot. Okay, let me tell you about our next guest, Megan Connor. She is the definition of a busybody. She is a personal trainer, she is a coach, she is a singer-songwriter, she is a mommy to her boxer Lulu, and of course she is a runner. In this episode, we talk about all the places her running career has taken her. We talk about running in the Boston Marathon in 2013, which is the year that the bombings occurred. We talk about what it's like being a musician here in Music City, which I thought was super interesting. And we talk a little bit about living here in Nashville, Tennessee, and what changes Megan would make if she was mayor. Megan is such a fun person to talk to, and her personality is super contagious. You will certainly notice that in this episode, as by the end, we are both acting like complete goofballs. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Thanks, as always, for listening in. Here we go. And we are back. Welcome to Running the 615, everyone. I'm sitting across from the Megan Connor. Very excited to have her here on Running the 615. Hello, Megan. Hi. (laughs) Are you excited to be here? Oh, my goodness. So excited. That's the enthusiasm we're looking for. (laughs) We're going to start off with running, if that's okay with you. Tell me about when running entered your life and what are some of the things that have kind of led running to now be such a big part of your life? Oh, Drew, that's a good question. And it's pretty funny. So I did not grow up athletic at all. And I think um, kind of my message to everybody is it's okay if you didn't grow up athletic. I was like the choir drama nerd and I dated uh, (laughs) my high school sweetheart. He was Mr. Popular. I was this like short haired girl, choir, you know, all the leads in the play. You know, I kind of played tennis because I thought the skirts were cute. (laughs) But I never was athletic. I never ran track. I never did anything like that. And so when I started dating him, he played football, baseball, all those things. And you were drama. He was sports. Yes pretty much it. And I mean, best looking, all those things. I was not best looking. He had all the looks. You had all the drama. Yes. Okay, even better. Probably still how it is today. So anyways, he just said, let's go for a run. And we lived in Texas and it was like a hundred degrees. And we went for a run and then what are you a sophomore junior in high school where I was a senior senior in high school. yeah we dated our senior year okay. so I started running with him a little bit and I mean he took me to run the bleachers it was I, I think I throw up it was great and I just kind of loved it you know I don't know do you remember liking it like right from the start like you're like this is something I can do uh, <laughs> I think I'm 
might, it might have been because I liked him so much. <laughs> Just being honest, but I grew to absolutely love it. And then I went to college and college also in Texas in Baylor. Yeah. At Baylor. And then there's a big loop around campus and I would just go run it, you know, for fun. So I don't know. It just became something that I, I loved some time that I could have for myself and something that I could do for myself. So if it weren't for him, he kind of taught me, the mental part of it too. So we're still friends to this day and I credit him with really showing me, you know, what fitness and what running can do. Up for until somebody. then you didn't necessarily see sports as a part of your life or no being athletic. No, never. I had no idea. Which makes me sometimes I wonder, well, if I had run track. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. You know. So since that time, so that was, you know, that was when you're in high school, running has basically been a part of your life since then. What are some things that like still, I guess, are why you do it? Like, what's your why for running? I mean, running is just a big part of your life, no matter how you slice it. It's something that you do. It's something that you coach. It's something that you, you know, are just around a lot. What are the parts of running that kind of, you know, appeal to you the most? Oh, gosh. That's a loaded question, Drew Jones. That's what we have here (laughs) on Running to Some Five. All loaded questions. All loaded. Wow. Okay. So it's just something that I believe that everybody can do to a certain extent. We can talk about that later. But I just think that it's just such a way to see the world. I feel like every run that you go on is different. You're going to see something different, smell something different, experience something different. And you just never know what you might see. I also think that it's great because it's something that you can progress in. You can have a goal towards. And for me personally, that's just something that is just so important for me to have a goal. Say I'm going to train for a half marathon, whether or not it's to PR, to finish or whatever, just to have that goal to work towards, I think is something personally for me that is just an incredible thing. Helps you stay after it, stay at it, having that goal. Yeah, Yeah. it gives everything a purpose too. It's not, I mean, some days you just need to go for a run, but some days it's like, okay, it's a structure, it's a purpose. It's like here, there's a reason why I'm going to go do this five mile run if I have, you know, a half marathon coming up. So yeah, it's kind of a focus for me. It's time for me to chill out, reflect, think by myself. Yeah. I think most of the people that I've met that we know in the running community, I feel like that component, the training for something, whatever it is, is what separates the people who run a long time and people who maybe try it out a little bit and don't necessarily stick with it. If you kind of continually put goals in front of yourself, like you said it best, like whatever goal it is, it could be a million different reasons as to why you're doing it. But if you do have a goal, those are the people that tend to be kind of quote unquote runners for life. They, They constantly do something, accomplish it, set another one yeah, and keep going. And I think, you know, you did ask me what my why is and we're going to get deep here, Drew. Please. We're deep. <laughs> so this, I don't even know if you know this about me, but maybe you do. But um, my stepdad was an alcoholic and I grew up with him and 
he died of liver cancer when I was, I think, 22. So to see this man that I grew up with every day die and the process and just see a human being that you love and care about that's healthy go from being a big strong man to reduce to nothing in a bed it really opened my eyes it shook me and I will never forget I ran my first marathon for the American Liver Foundation and that was I ran Chicago and that was incredible but after he passed away, I went to New York that I lived in New York and I ran the midnight run on um, New Year's Eve. And it was just four miles around Central Park. They shoot off fireworks and I just cried the whole time because I just felt overcome with I look at what I get to do. Look at what I get to do. And I think that is kind of my why in all of the running that I do. And that's kind of what I want to share with my clients and with, you know, everybody is that like, look what you get to do. Sure. You know, being healthy is a gift and running is a way to kind of use that gift and express it. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, that's, you know, super personal, of course, but also something that, that everybody can relate to. And just the sense that health is a gift. You don't know how long you're going to have it. and, And while you do, take advantage of it. Yeah. And you feel, I think running, running just makes you feel alive and you know, you feel your heart beating and you're sometimes things hurt and it's just, uh, makes you feel alive. Running makes you feel alive. That's a good shirt or tattoo. Ooh, or are we going to go get tattoos? after? I this? mean, I don't know. Something about it, the way you said that just made me think I need that somehow permanent in my life. Maybe <laughs> Maybe just a neon sign or, here in the room, but either one. I yeah. mean, or or a tattoo. <laughs> we could start with a shirt. Yeah, you know? <laughs> shirt's a good start. Good call. Okay, so I want to transition just a little bit to the fitness part of your life. You're a personal trainer. That's something you've been doing for a long time. Tell me about when it comes to fitness, what are some kind of key principles you are teaching, regardless of who you're teaching or what format? I mean, there's a ton of things you can do fitness wise, but what's kind of some of your from someone who's been a teacher for a well, long time. first of all, I just think it's just incredible doing this job and seeing people every day. I'll say, do this, and they'll say, I can't, I can't do this. And I'm like, you can, you can do this. And so I think just the principle of like, you actually can. The things that you think you can't do, more than likely you can. And, um, I think that that's one of the main focuses is just to help my clients understand that they have everything that it takes. It's just, I'm kind of the cheerleader to be able to tell them you can do this. Another thing that I preach is we're, you know, it's not about being a model. Like we're not trying to like look like models. Well, maybe some of us are, but <laughs> I'm okay. Sorry. Sorry. We live in Nashville. Some people are looking for that. It's we okay. can't all look like you drew, um, okay. <laughs> but it's just about being healthy. I'm like, eat the cake, spend the money, do the thing, like live your life. 
and go work out. It doesn't have to be this crazy thing where you don't eat carbs or you don't eat sugar or you have to work out seven days a week or six days a week. It's just about just trying to be the best person that you can in a healthy way. And I think, you know, so many people, everybody's so caught up in like, oh, I have to look like this. And I'm just a personal trainer where and a coach where it's going to be like, look, if you miss this day, that's okay. If you want to eat that cake, go for it. You know, let's enjoy it while we're here and do it in the safest, healthiest way. So if someone is coming to you as a brand new client and they are just to a point like, I'm ready now, I want to start exercising, I want to get in shape. Kind of a similar question to the last one, but what's just like, you know, a couple like, okay, if we're going to do this, here's a couple of key pointers for you to be thinking about as you get started with this. Yeah, just, I ask a lot of people like what, you know, obviously you go through the things like, do you have any injuries? How much are you working out right now? You take all that into consideration. But I think one of the main things, and this is, applies to personal training, training, running, anything is like when you're just starting out, people are like, oh my gosh, I'm going to work out seven times a day. You know, no, not seven times a day. Whoa. Maybe. We, well, you never maybe, know. They do. maybe seven times a week, either or. I mean, a lot of different uh, variety. They could, they could. But hashtag Olympic athlete. Um, but, uh, oh, I want to work out seven days a week. Oh, I want to work out five days a week. And they're going from, you know, zero to 60. I just say, just ease into it. That is so important because if you overcommit, and this applies to life too, it's like if you overcommit and say, I'm going to go and work out five times a week and you're doing nothing to five times a week, something's going to happen. Like chances are you might get injured. You might, something just might happen and you might not be able to make those five times a week. And mentally, it's just brings you back. So it's all about building the building blocks, you know, wherever you're starting from. So it's all about just starting from where you are and building on that. Start where your fitness is, not where you want your fitness to be. Yes. Another t-shirt. Yes. So this is something, and again, I just think you're a great person to ask this because you've taught a lot and really been around a lot of fitness, but right now there are a ton. I was just thinking about this, you know, before you got here. There are so many options right now as far as fitness is concerned boot camp, CrossFit, yoga, Orange Theory, boxing, Capital Steps workout. I mean, you name it, a lot of variety. What's your favorite form of exercise? Not running, obviously, that's the right answer or the best answer. What's your favorite form of exercise and why out of those? You personally. Ooh. And I can't say running. Well, running is the answer, but no, not running. Not including running. What's your favorite? (gasps) Ooh, Drew. But I can't say triathlon because that includes running, right? That's a good one too, but yeah. I'm talking more just like, you know, right now now in Nashville, there's a lot of different options on the class side of things. Boot camp, CrossFit, Orange Theory, you name it. You know, I used to go to Fahrenheit Yoga when they were in Brentwood and they just opened by my house. So I went to day. There you go. Hot yoga. I think, you know, being a runner and now a triathlon, like you're just going, 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 going. And um, it's just a great way to like chill, reflect, but also sweat your balls off. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they should have that on the sign. If you're not, you're going to go sweat your balls off go at Fahrenheit. Your 
balls. <laughs> I don't have balls. Oh, uh, we are just, man, we've got so many tattoo options when this oh, is over. Oh, yes. Awesome. This is basically, we're going to start a t-shirt company. But now I enjoy all kinds, like berries and shed and get fit 615. I just, I wish I had more time to go to all the different classes. They all have their their merit for sure. Okay, let's jump back into running. I've seen and known you've done a lot of neat things with running as far as just like races, not only races that you've done, but where you've done them. Just tell me about a couple of your favorites as far as just like races that you've done kind of around the globe. Oh, running around the world is my favorite. I want to like have a company where I just run around the world with everybody. Put me down for a interview with that company. You're signed up. So I just got back from Ireland and I did a beautiful half marathon in Dingle. Dingle, Ireland. Dingle, Ireland. And did you go there for the purpose of... I just want to go see Ireland and I want to have a, you know, a run to do while I'm out there. Like was the race, like why you were there? So funny. You might ask. (laughs) I actually did a seven day trail run adventure in Spain last year, about this time last year. I met two Irish gals and then how many, four couples, three or four couples of English people in Spain. And so the two Irish gals, we did the full seven days. We ran 86 miles in a week and 15,000 feet of elevation. And all in Spain, all in Spain, running every day, running every day. It was amazing. So I just, oh, the things that you can see, a car cannot take you. You know, when I was standing on top of this, like, mountain and overlooking the ocean in Spain. And I'm just like, what, what is my life? You know? So anyways, I met these girls, these ladies, and they were like, well, you have to come to Ireland. Well, we ended up all keeping in touch everybody that went on that trip and everybody decided, actually we decided in Spain, we were sitting at a, we ended up one day at a um, winery And I think after running like 17 miles or something, and we're sitting there and one of the Irish gals said, you all need to come do the Dingle Half Marathon. It's beautiful. And everyone was like, yes. So that's how we all, so we all met back there. So you got to go to another country, do something you love and running. And when you got there, you already had friends. I had friends. Waiting for you to come join them. Yes. How cool. I mean, talk about why you love running. Like that's like, just meeting, I've met the best people in my entire life. So now I think it's going to be a thing where we're going to go, we're going to pick a destination every year. I don't know where we're going to go for 2020, but. The Ireland run itself. So, you know, obviously in the United States, we have the rock and roll marathons, half marathons, which are good races, pretty structured and how they work. Is there anything different in just how a race operates running a half marathon in Ireland versus running rock and roll Nashville? So operationally probably not but you're running and there's goats and cows and then like the most beautiful ocean and the greenest green you've ever seen so (laughs) that's a bit different I will say one thing that was very strange and different and I was like Ireland we need to talk 
but they gave us water bottles at each stop. No Dixie cups no over Dixie an island cups. that like, here's your plastic but, like, bottle. An entire plastic bottle that you had to like open <laughs> and then you throw it like, yeah. So that was quite strange, but that was the only, you know. Difference. Yeah. I mean, there were like signs, real actual signs like stop and pet a baby goat and things like that. So, <laughs> so what about an actual, I mean, I know you've run, you know, marathons and, and things like that. What's another just like big epic race that you've done that kind of sticks out as a favorite? Oh, well, I mean, New York city marathon. Yeah. I think that's the best. And a couple others. I mean, New York city, I lived there for four years and there's just, you went from Texas out of college to New York city, to New York city. I was there for four years and then I moved here. But I mean, there is no place that that city has a heartbeat, you know, and it's just, uh, I, I mean, you ran it. Yeah. Man. It's just I, electric. I, I, like we talked about it. Chris, it was the first marathon I'd ever run. And it was, you know, good memory now in the rearview mirror, but like to run in the biggest marathon in the world as your first, like I just, I will never forget how like, overstimulated I was with everything yeah. going on. Like even the day leading up to it. I mean, the expo itself oh, is it the biggest huge. thing you'll, yeah. you'll ever see. And then, you know, again, it's fun to think about in the rearview mirror, but I was just like a ball of stress and, and everything. But I mean, golly, it's like, it's seriously is the coolest yeah. you know, ever as far as just being a part of something truly massive. Yeah. That was incredible. I just think that the energy is second to none of that. And then a couple other really beautiful ones. I did um, Lululemon Seaweeds Half Marathon in Vancouver. Oh, wow. That was really pretty. Vancouver is one of the prettiest places yeah. on planet Earth. Yeah. yeah. I ran the Maui Marathon because it was like on oh, my, my birthday. God. And I was like, well, that's a sign. Yeah. <laughs> they're, having, that was they're having a marathon in Hawaii on my birthday. On my birthday. Clearly. Sign. Yeah. Was your picture on the brochure? Yeah, Probably, of yeah. course. <laughs> Come run this marathon in a beautiful place and help us celebrate. Yes, my birthday. The places that I've been and to see the world through a runner's eyes, I think is pretty special. So definitely. So let's talk about the Boston Marathon 2013. That was a day that anybody uh, who runs will remember. That was obviously when the bombings happened in 2013. You were there. You ran in the race on that day. Just tell me your memories from that day and and all that happened. The whole story of how I got there is kind of crazy. I was a couple marathons into running. I had no idea what I was doing. And I was in North Carolina running a race and I was kind of fast-ish. And everyone I passed said, are you trying to qualify for Boston? And I had no idea what Never Boston... Never No, <laughs> no idea. I was completely ignorant. No clue. So then when I finished, I had missed Boston by two minutes. Missed qualifying. Missed qualifying. Not, but obviously, I didn't, you didn't run it to qualify, but then yeah, you got... Yeah, I just didn't know what it was. Then I was like, ooh, Boston, what's that? And then I looked it up, and then I'm like, okay, well, I can do this. It's two minutes. So I think it was... It's Alabama. What is the race in December? Mercedes. Here? No. Oh, Huntsville. Huntsville. Yes. Uh, Rocket City. Yeah. Right. And I went to Huntsville and it was like 20 something degrees. And I was like, I'm going to qualify for Boston. And I was killing it. I was on running around. On like, pace. Yeah, on pace. Like right. at 3.30, I was doing really well. And then mile 16, my IT band like 
snapped, snapped, said game over and done. And we're finished. So the best way to describe it is it turned to putty. So I couldn't walk. I started run walking till to mile 22. And at mile 22, I could not put one foot in front of the other. So I had to quit. And I was like, I've never quit a race, but I couldn't walk. They had to cart me in the little cart. And I was like, I'm done. This is it. I'm injured. I'm never running a marathon again. So that year, 2013 or 2012, whatever, um, the American Liver Foundation that I had run Chicago for my very first marathon sent out an email and said, do you want to run Boston for our charity? And I was like, well, this is it. I'm going to run it and then I'm done. I'm retired. I'm going to go out. So I said yes. And for American Liver Foundation and then showed up to run the race. And then it was a beautiful day and ran the race and had a great time. And I finished. And then 15 minutes after I was done, then it was like you had to walk a really, really long time after it's to just like get done. out of the race finish yeah. kind of pavilion area. Yeah, right? to get out of everything. And then I just remember I had to turn left to go to the bus where my race bag was. Because at Boston, you have to sit for hours before you start. So I was bent over getting my race bag. And then there was a boom. And then another, like 20 seconds later, another boom. And then there was smoke. I was around the corner. So I immediately, it was like you could feel it in your stomach. It wasn't like a firework. But I knew it was a bomb, but I thought it was coming from above. So I was like ducking and, and uh, anyways, my, I had left my phone on while I was running and I was texting a friend. I had a bunch of people that were like, Hey, we tracked you or you're finished. And I got one text out before my phone died. And I said, bombs went off, everybody going crazy. And then I went back to the hotel and everyone was freaking out. At that point, I didn't really truly know what was going on. And so by the time that I walked back to the hotel, I mean, it was just, it was crazy. And the news, everything was already on. And I mean, we were just a couple blocks away and my mom was there and my aunt and uncle and they were all freaking out. And it was, I feel like that is the day that marathoning change forever because I just couldn't imagine how somebody could take such a beautiful sport and do this. Right. You know, so, um, probably takes a while to get your brain around that. I mean, especially being there, but I'm sure like as it became, you realize, you know, what it was and what that happened that, you know, maybe, you know, it was harder a couple of days after it maybe than it oh, was yeah. when you're actually there. Yeah. yeah. It was kind of surreal. And, but from the moment that I knew what happened, I said, I am qualifying. I'm going to come back and run Boston as a qualifier and do it for the people that were affected that lost their lives. I am going to redeem my Boston and run it for that day. Right. So, and that happened. And that happened. Well, that was 2014 or 2015? 2015. Right. Yeah. I came back. I didn't want to, cause I think, no, I think it was just for the people that didn't finish, but they gave people 
that didn't, I think it was the people that didn't finish. That's right. Because they had to cut it off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't want to go back then. I don't know. It was just. Took a while. Yeah. It to, took a yeah. while. I still like, I don't want to see the movie that they did about it. And it was just strange. So yeah. Good. Good. What came out of that. Good. What came that, out of yeah, that. That you were able to then go back and, you know, kind of keep it going. You first thought you were doing Boston as a finale to your running career. Yes. And then uh, <laughs> lo and behold, you qualified, ran it and certainly running still a big part of your life. Oh, huge. Yeah. Do you want to hear the story of how I became a coach? Because that's... Let's, yeah, let's transition to that. Do you actually. want to that's go to the, that? So, yeah, so, that's kind of attached. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you were a personal trainer in New York. Then you came to Nashville, personal training here, like personal training for a long time as far as teaching classes, doing one-on-one instruction and so forth. But it wasn't until just recently that you decided that I'm actually going to be a running coach, which is yeah. different. Coaching running is different than than teaching at Barry's Boot Camp and some of the other things you've done. So talk about that. Like, how did that happen? And then, you know, what's some things about being running coach that, you know, you've really enjoyed again being such a big runner anyway now getting to coach it yeah it's all attached to boston to that boston race after that happened i came back i said i want to qualify i hired a coach i hired dave milner went through a whole experience of coaching and of being coach i'd never you know again like i was not athletic i had never had any kind of coach I didn't know how it worked. You were so, you were self-made up until then. I was self-made, yeah. still am, Drew. Yes. I'm just kidding. But yeah, and it was such a great experience. Like what I learned from that and what I took from that, having a person, a human being, be able to say, This is what you need to do. This is X. Here's X plus Y, and you're gonna get Z if you do all of these things, changed the game. So I was so inspired by that and by the whole process that I was like, I would like to be able to do this. And just, I always tell people, I'm like, if you like to run, hire a coach does not have to be me for one race because it will change your perspective on how you train and give it purpose. So that yeah, so is uh, getting someone like Dave, who's just very knowledgeable about running, really good runner himself, been around running to be your guide. Yeah. To, that's a great way to put it. If you do X and Y, you will get Z. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I also worked with Alex um, Morrow, who is in Huntsville. I worked with him a while afterwards. And I love it. Like I just, I still have, now I have a triathlon coach, Conrad. And uh, I think that you can just learn so much and having a coach inspired me so much that I was like, I want to bring this to every, I want to be able to bring this to everybody. But I don't, I have people that, you know, are coming back from injuries, trying to train for 5Ks. I have one that's trying to have a couple that are Boston trying to get Boston. I have one that's trying, we're trying to get her under a three hour marathon. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's super cool. So, I mean, you know, you, the, the good thing is, is you're coaching something that you've done a lot of too. What's unique about coaching running versus like, you know, doing your classes and so forth. I imagine the details. Well, I don't have to see my runners. which is That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. You're telling them to do it, but you're not I'm necessarily just, watching them. do Exactly. It. Oh. I don't really have to have, the one-on-one 
in-person experience. Pretty much just how you said at the beginning, these people that have these goals are self-motivated. So if you're going to have a running coach, and normally when you have a coach, it is just a plan, a bunch of talking and a plan. It's not like I'm going to get together with you and you know, we're going to change your stand. Dave, I, Dave Milner wasn't on a bike next to you every every step you ran. No, no but gotcha. I will say that he came to my house because I would not get up at five o'clock to, or to go <laughs> run, <laughs> to go run with him at, you know, like six or six thirty on track Tuesdays. I was like, hell no, Dave. So he would sometimes come and sit, he would call it heckling, and sit while I would run on the treadmill. Oh, yeah. That's good. <laughs> Kudos today for yeah. figuring out a way yeah. to make you do it. There you go. Yeah. But a lot of my run clients are, I mean, I have one in California. I have one in Michigan. I've never met them. Almost probably two-thirds I've never met. So it's a bit different in the sense that I don't necessarily see them in person. But yeah, it's just wonderful. And I Ugh, I just, I freaking love it. I get these like text messages today, even got one that said, I never thought I would be able to run five miles where it would just feel like five miles and didn't feel like a check mark, you know? And I was just like, yes, I, Man, just, I get yeah. lit up. Yeah. I would say the one memory I have from when I was becoming a runner like you, especially the first year I did it, I just didn't know what I was doing. I just knew that I was enjoying becoming a runner. And for probably six months, I over the course of six months, I got to where running three miles was like my ceiling. Like I could run three miles without stopping. That's where I was. And then country music half marathon came to be in 2002. And it was just kind of at a perfect time from when I had started running to say, okay, I've done a 5k, I've done a 10k half marathon's the next step. And I remember over the span of like a month, I got to where I could run five miles and it felt exactly how it used to feel when I could run three miles. And it was just like, I mean, it's as plain as that sounds like it was just a light bulb moment. I was yeah. like, okay, I get it. If yeah. I do this on a regular basis, your body's very smart and your mm-hmm. body learns and allows you to do it. And that was kind of like, all right, man, like this is, this is going well kind of thing. Yeah. But it was, it was literally that simple. I was like, I used to be able to run three. Now I can run five. run five. I feel like I'm headed in the right direction. Yeah. That's what it's all about. And to hear, you know, I have another client that she couldn't run two miles without knee pain. And so I sent her to somebody to get her checked out. And then between the two of us, I put together a program and she sent me a text two days ago. And with two miles, she sent me a picture of her watch. And I'm just like, yes. She was like, I can't believe it. So it's just, it's so cool. Breaking past the two mile mark and moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you have that and then you have this wonderful, amazing young girl who just, she just ran a 129 half marathon yeah, beat her PR by four minutes. And so it's, bo- you know, you have both of those. It's pretty cool. That's kind of why I wanted to get my coaching certification because I wanted to be the person in Nashville, especially that anybody can come to. You know, Dave and a few other people, they're super, I look at them as like elite trainers. And I just, I wanted to be able to say, like, you want to run a 5K? You just want to be able to finish a 5K. You want to run, walk a 5K. We can do that. So. 
That's awesome. Let's transition away from running a little oh, bit and no. talk about the other part of your life, which is music. Oh, uh, yes. You came from New York City to Nashville because of music, correct? Uh, that is correct. Yep. So you are a singer-songwriter. Lots of people come to Nashville for music. Tell me about, you know, from someone who just doesn't really know anything about the music industry, other than that a lot of people do it. Tell me some pros and cons of being a singer-songwriter in Nashville. Okay. I it's so sad. I automatically just go to the cons. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I said, tell me some pros. Tell me, yeah, tell no, me no, no, a no. pro. It's I'm amazing. A, yeah. No, no, no. Um <laughs> just give me one pro. No. Uh, We're talking listen. about the joys of being a running coach, and I'm like, hey, music industry. Wah, wah. Wah, wah. No, 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 no. No, I am very blessed and very lucky because I am one of the few that can say I get paid to do it. So basically I pay my rent by doing music, which is, I mean, and you work for a label as a songwriter. I work for a publisher. So yeah, I work for demolition music publishing. So huge pros, like they are so awesome because they support. When I started writing for them, I was like, I am not going to give up my coaching, my training. I'm not going to do that. And they were like, no, my publisher sent his daughter to train with me. So I, I kind of have the best of both worlds. But the pros, I get to create music. I mean, it's, oh my gosh, it's amazing. It's like you have these ideas in your head and then they become songs. And the process is just it's unlike anything else. Is the process always different from someone who's never done it? I mean, when I envision what it's like being a songwriter, I just picture a bunch of people in a room writing things down and coffee and cigarettes everywhere. <laughs> just, like, I mean, just like, that's just what we do. We're going to stay in here until we come out with something oh that's pretty similar to the gambler, Kenny Rogers. And until then, we're in here. I mean, is, how accurate is that? Okay, well, it's actually pretty accurate minus the cigarettes. Wow, then what's like... the point? <laughs> I feel like that's actually pretty accurate, but it is different with everybody. I mean, sometimes you'll start with an idea. Sometimes you'll start with a melody. Sometimes you'll start with just the music, depending on if you're writing country or pop. Sometimes you start with a track. It's just, it depends on who you're writing with. It's a different but you've never written a song. You should. We should write a song. I mean, we've got a couple of these quotes. We're off to a good start. Off that could be the title of the song. Like, which, we're, which one? We're which, already halfway there. Yeah. Uh, which one would you like? Which one should we? Running write? makes you feel alive. Okay. And that's going to be the theme song for Running Six One Five. Six One Five. So what about so? Have you written songs solo? Like, do you just like, have you literally just like written a song all by yourself or is a lot of stuff you're doing like collaboration? Most of it is collaboration. I don't play guitar very well at all, pretty much. I mean, (laughs) let me rephrase that. Not only do I not play well, I don't play it at all. I don't play it at all. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to learn because. Christy Bass getting ready to start playing the ukulele. I she could play heard. ukulele and you could sing. I mean, that's halfway to a band right there. I was about to say, Christy Beth, do you want to start a band? No <laughs> so most of the stuff you're doing when you're writing is with a group of people and you guys yeah. are putting some stuff together as a group. Yeah, I have written songs by myself. I've written a few. And by a few, I mean like three. So <laughs> 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 but mostly... That qualifies as a few. Yes, but mostly we write together. It's just Nashville's a very 
co-writing kind of town. If if you have a publishing deal and I have a publishing deal and we write a song, then both of our publishers are going to be working for the song. So it gives you a little bit more skin in the game to work with other people. Plus, it's just two minds are better than one. Sure. Yeah. So and you've had several songs, you know. What's the way to say? It? I mean, once cut. The, several songs cut. Yeah, that sounds so. Don't that ever sounds say, so official. Yeah, don't ever say. So you sold a song. You've had several songs cut. cut. Have you not? Oh Megan? yes. Oh that's yes. Yeah, so na- like, name yes. some artists that you've cut songs with. I have had a cut by Rascal Flatts. They recorded a song. Chris Young recorded a song. I've had one on American Idol. I've had let's see, Swan Brothers, Danny Gokey, just a bunch of other independent and smaller things. And then I recently (laughs) have painted my hair pink and have come out with my alter ego. Her name is Connor. Connor with a K. K K-O-N-O-R. So totally different spelling. And we are really focusing on TV and film, producing music for TV and film. So it's not necessarily something that you're going to like go listen to and i mean you could work out to it but But it's it's, a song you might hear on a tv show yes and it is you singing your song and like you had some people help you write with some of that i'm sure yes it that's all like track stuff so in most of the stuff that we're releasing i've worked with people here so and i go to la a lot too to work with people out there so is the la music scene different than nashville and any like you know this is definitely different about being in, okay, what's something different about LA than Nashville? So in Nashville, more than likely, unless you know that you're going to go to a track session with a producer, you are going to show up with your guitar and get, you know, ready for your writing session. And if you walk in, usually with a guitar in LA, people are like, what are you doing? Because it's all done on computer. I mean, the producers do use some live instruments but it's just different you just it's just totally different there it's pop it's tv film here's a lot more country and but we're really getting more of the pop scene here too so you're probably not going to just like show up to la you i mean you might with your guitar and in hand sounds to me like nashville is just better maybe we can just say that oh is Nashville better when it comes to that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. That just sounded right. Okay, go with it. Has there been anything since you moved here that has surprised you about the music industry as far as Nashville is concerned? I mean, from like, you know, being on the inside of it and working within the music industry on a daily basis. Has there been any surprises that this city has thrown at you? Yeah, I think it's surprising how tough it is. I think we all come here and we're like, we're going to be stars. We're going to be famous. And <laughs> that doesn't always be Nashville but. like slaps you in the face and it's like, no, you're not. I mean, this sounds so negative, but <laughs> I was downtown. I played a show at the listening room and <laughs> oh my gosh, this is terrible. But I come out and you know how downtown just smells. It does now. It smells. Sure. Yeah. And I was like, it smells like sewer and broken dreams. 
<laughs> it smells like a sewer of broken dreams. Or just like it smells like <laughs> it smells like sewage and broken dreams. Or both. And a bit of both. So it's nice been, icebreaker. I know, I know. I was like, this is so terrible. But it's a very tough industry. I think the thing is, is like, oh, you hear that I have cuts with Rascal Flats and Chris Young. You're like, oh, you're so rich. You're I'm sure you're just no. Like I'm lucky enough to have a platinum record hanging on my wall, but you just don't make money. It's just, it's so hard. It's just a tough industry and I'm blessed to be able to do it as much as I do. And who knows? I mean, I still feel like there's so many songs that I've written that might find their way. And, and then you leave these like little pieces of your heart behind, you know, when I'm dead and gone, there's going to be some country songs sitting That's around. All right. That's a good thing to leave you. So you, I mean, you got to just get a little bit lucky at the end of the day it's to have true. things kind of roll your way. Yeah. It's kind of, um, I mean, as with any industry, it's kind of who, you know, but here I think is the biggest craziest thing about the music industry. I've tried to explain this to my dad a thousand times. If there's usually in a, in a normal job, there's a ladder. Like if you do this, then you're going to get here. Or if you do this and you're going to get a promotion. No, there's none of that in the music, in the music business. Like it kind of doesn't make sense. Like it, some of the most amazing songs, some of the most amazing singers, like people just haven't heard because you know, whatever. So, but it's taught me to, really enjoy the moment in the creative process because God, look what you get to do. It's the same thing as running. It's like you get to create this and have an experience. And then at the end of the experience, you have something to show for it with running. You know, you have your memories and, or maybe a medal. Would you rather have a medal or a t-shirt? What would you rather have? Oh, a medal. Duh. No, doy. So let's, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about Nashville. You came here a little over 10 years ago from New York City to Nashville. Nashville's changed a lot since you got here in 2006, right? Yeah. What's some changes you've seen in Nashville, both good and maybe not so good over that time period? Well, I have to say that I think that the food has gotten a lot better. Yes, we are much more of a foodie town. We now. are. I think that over the years, seeing the food industry change a little bit because I am a foodie galore, that has been a really good thing. That's been a plus. Yes. I think that as far as the fitness community has grown so much. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. And we have a super tight fitness community. I think that there's a lot of good here. Sometimes people will feel competitive and I just I've never felt that way so I think that that's really good gosh there's so much traffic and so much construction and all that traffic stuff. just here recently I feel like has been something that I noticed like just in the past year up until then I was kind of okay with fine. it but now it's getting a little bit worse do you feel there is any additional pressure on yourself to be what is it, quote unquote, more of a spokesperson as you have been on the cover of Nashville Fit Magazine. (laughs) That's a small list of people right there. It is. Yeah, that's super cool. Ryan's done so good with that. Oh, gosh. Well, I met Ryan and started writing some stuff for him when he was just online. And I was just like, dude, I'm with you. Like, I am with you. And then... When they asked me to be on the cover, I just, I mean, I cried. So it's so cool because I, you know, I got to tell my story, the whole Boston thing, how 
being a theater geek to running freak, how that played into me coming to Nashville. And yeah, that's, I mean, I want to like frame it and have it on my, uh, my wall. It's just, it's so awesome. But that I think has been, yes, being like a spokesperson, I really connect with certain brands and like just anything that has to do with running and positivity, fitness, supporting being a healthy person. And um, yeah, so I kind of feel like I've become an influencer. Yeah, man, you absolutely are. Now that's, I mean, I think that's cool that you, I mean, you really know the fitness industry more than most anybody in the city and that your feeling is it of very much of a family and kind of good vibes with everyone and and not cutthroat, not competition, quite like maybe the music industry is that the fitness industry is like, Hey, you know, we can all do this better together versus trying to yeah, that's good that you see Nashville that way. Yeah. Let me ask you this. As mayor, Megan Connor, what would you Ooh. do in Nashville? Any changes you'd make as mayor? That has a nice ring to it. Mayor Megan Connor. We've already had a Megan Barry. I mean, a Megan wow. Connor is next in line, <laughs> not only alphabetically, but it just sounds right. It sounds right. Yeah. It feels right. You know, Drew, as mayor. <laughs> perfect as mayor as mayor vote for megan connor 2021 you know what i would do drew i would have free ice cream fridays for the city for the city wow <laughs> you'll be you'll be mayor the rest as long as you want with that platform right? i think i would do that no but actually i really would do that and I haven't really worked out how that would work yet, you know, financially, but I'm not worried about that. Um, this is kind of all ad lib anyway. So, I mean, you can, yeah. what kind of ice cream, any, any particular oh, ice cream being served here? Jenny's? Jenny's. Oh, I feel like Jenny's would God. get on board. We you would know? be the jolliest, happiest city. In Don't the you think? No, I, I think also like as mayor slash president of the United States, I would, I've always said that I would, so maybe I could start as mayor. Good start. Would, good yes. launching pad. I would give everybody free nap time, 30 minutes every day, and free paid workout time, 30 minutes every day. Wow. This is starting to sound like quite the platform. Don't you think? 30-minute naps, 30-minute exercise, paid for. Paid, And then, for good measure, free ice cream on Fridays. Yes. The world would be a better place, Megan. It just would. I mean, it I just really would. would. I think we would. We'd you be- have my vote, Megan, right there. You just bought your first vote for, for your political career. Perfect. All right. Let's move over to running the 615 speed sessions. Do you know what the fastest mile is you've ever run in your life? Do you know that I have never timed my mile? Well, now. Oh, I would definitely say... At one point, I probably could have run under a six minute mile. But so, so I would absolutely, I would say sub six, no no doubt about it. Okay. Well, that's just, that's just random curiosity. You can take 26 minutes on speed sessions if you want, but we're going to, we're going to go through a lot of questions. You just give me an answer. No wrong answers. I just want you to tell me when you're ready to go. I'm nervous. (laughs) (laughs) You ready? Ready. Is it started? Go. Go. Roads or trails? Roads. Early bird or night owl? Night owl. Country, hip-hop, or rock and roll? Ooh, rock and roll. Favorite Nashville restaurant? <gasps> Fifth and Taylor. Coffee, tea, soda, water, or alcohol? Coffee, 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 <laughs> coffee. <laughs> you didn't wait on that. No. Favorite place to run in Nashville or favorite race in Nashville? Ooh, uh, 
you know, everybody says Percy Warner. I broke my foot there. So, you know, just. What's your favorite race in Nashville? Favorite race to run in? Gosh, I don't know. Rock and roll. Uh, there you ha- go. Perfect. Okay, half marathon. Rock go. and roll and half. My favorite too. <laughs> I would bet $7 billion on the answer to this question. Dogs or cats? <gasps> dogs. No, at Lulu the box. We only get to pick one. Okay, dogs. Are you a talker or a listener? Talker. No, it. Beach <laughs> or mountains? Beach. What annoys you? When somebody says they're going to do something and they don't do it. Favorite condiment? <laughs> mayo mayonnaise you and mark miller both cookie or candy cookie both Fa- both yeah you like them both uh, that's yeah, like that's okay both. answer too favorite sports team dallas cowboys what Duh. what is your dream time. vacation spot you've been to a lot of cool places. greece greece good. i'm going there next year good one who is your celebrity crush <gasps> drew jones oh well he's not a celebrity <laughs> Oh, I don't even know. It's got to be somebody. Oh, man. The guy, like Captain America, whoever that guy is. He's really cute. Okay. Well, I don't know him. I don't know his name. Yeah, we'll stick with your first name. Brad answer. Pitt. Brad. <laughs> uh, favorite TV show or movie of all time? TV show or movie of all time. Oh, my gosh. There's... Uh, I don't know. I just finished watching the Jane the Virgin and I loved it. That was a good one. Okay. All you listeners, check out Jane the Virgin. <laughs> uh, best way to recover after a long run or race? Eat a big meal. Nice. Take a nap. What are you afraid of? I think um, not being able to do everything while I'm here. Like I... Fear of missing out. Okay. FOMO. Yes. <laughs> belt or no belt? Belt. Watch or no watch? Watch. Best part of living in Nashville? Mm, I would say the people, the community. Yeah, no doubt. Airplane or road trip? Ooh. I've seen a lot of pictures of you on a plane. I know. Well, I like them both. I can't decide. Okay, both's all right. Enjoy the ride, or if you're not first, you're last. Enjoy the ride. Something you want to do before you die? Oh, there's a list. I've Your never seen eyes the Gra- just got so big on that question. I've I never it. seen the Grand Canyon. I want to see the Grand Canyon. Yeah. That's a good one. Breakfast, lunch, or dinner? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> what makes you happy? Drew Jones. No. Yeah. Great. <laughs> um, people doing well. Like people. Seeing people good. succeed. Yeah. And, do, and just people doing good. Good yeah, things. That's good. What has running taught you? Um, that you can see the world in the most amazing way and that everybody can do it. Mm -hmm. What is the biggest misconception about you? Probably that I'm a party girl. Oh, I am not a party girl. That's good. Right? Yeah. People always think I'm like wild and crazy. Well, you're super fun. So that's okay. It's okay to be fun and not a party. Yeah. Favorite holiday. Christmas. Christmas. Who inspires you? Man, I think the underdogs, I think all, just everybody, everybody that thinks that has a goal and that reaches it, you know, that tries for it. Better to be physically tough or mentally tough? Mentally tough. What is your favorite race distance? Half marathon. Favorite singing moment of all time? My singing moment? Right now. Probably one of my listening room shows where I'm up there 
singing and you see somebody either mouthing the words back to you that they know the song or somebody crying at one of your songs or oh awesome running in the hot or running in the cold Ooh, mm, uh, running in the mild temperature in the middle <laughs> in the middle high fives hugs or fist bumps hugs oh good answer what is your personal fitness goal for 2020 Drew, I signed up for an Ironman. Wow. A full Ironman. A full Ironman. Have you ever done one before? No, sir. Man, that is a big goal. When is that? July 2020. July. And you are, you're starting it now. Training is already underway. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. What is the purpose of life? The purpose of life is to do the best you can while you're here and leave something great behind. Man, great answer. Well, Megan, thank you for being here on Running the 615. What was that time? 609. Oh my gosh, you did so good. Fast. No doubt. I love the energy you bring to life. I've known you a long time. I feel like most of our friendship has kind of involved running, but you're just such a happy person and a fun person to be around and everyone who knows you loves you. That's fact. <laughs> um, I appreciate you coming to be here and being on this and have a strong suspicion you'll be a guest again in the oh. future. I'm coming back. You're not getting rid of me. That's right. But I'm seriously so proud of you for doing this. And this is, uh, I mean, I can't wait to see what you do. And I've already loved hearing the other people that have been on. And this is amazing. So. We got some neat people in Nashville. I we mean, do. really, that's the whole basis behind it is to get, to, as I said, for completely selfish reasons. I love to talk. And there's just a lot of people in this city that I love. And I figured I might as well talk to them and record it. And maybe some other people will like listening in. Yeah, I love it. And I just I think everybody's story, you know, to really get to the heart of somebody and what their story is yeah so thank that's you that's the cool part about it thank you for being here megan have a great day you too drew Bye. Bye.